0: Hey everyone, Matthew Collar here. We'll get into the show in just a second, but first got to tell you about Abner Maris, a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, and his family fellow athletes and other people who made him the boxer he is today he will discuss the state of boxing sports music culture and his american dream listen to on the hook with abner maris wherever you get your podcast. episodes in english out on tuesdays and episodes in spanish are out on wednesdays all right let's get to the show Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Morning Left Guard. Matthew Collar here along with former Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles. And if you thought that he was upset after watching the tape last week, uh, then giving up 40 points, throwing three interceptions, struggling in pretty much every area for the Minnesota Vikings, um, I'm going to guess that you're not doing great after watching that tape, Jeremiah. Oh no, I'm not
1: doing great. Also because I decided it'd be a great idea to pick up Alexander Madison in all three of my fantasy <laughs> leagues because I was like, hey, Dalvin Cook's out. He's going to get some things. And I think he got four points. So I lost in all three of my leagues this week. So just much sugar on the top. You know, you know how it goes.
0: I've enjoyed your um, tweets about your fantasy team. It seems like you I'm are horrible. not GM of the year. <laughs> I'm horrible.
1: First of all, one really crappy thing is I have the most points scored against me out of anyone in our entire league. Every time I play someone, their entire team goes off, and then like I'm just I'm just not good at these decisions. I don't know. I like to play my friends. So, like I draft my friends, and then I play my friends, and then they don't do good. I don't. I, I, it's a yeah,
0: first-business fantasy.
1: I'm 0-6 in two leagues, and I'm 4-2 <laughs> and, I'm four and two in the other one. So. Well,
0: I don't know saw my response, but uh, you can get Trevor Lawrence now. Yeah, I mean, take for Lawrence, right? Just take tank for Lawrence, which <laughs> seems to be a real thing now in Minneapolis. Uh, Well, you know, that's the funny thing is that I had been sort of digging my heels in on this team has too much talent to be bad enough to be in the conversation for a top quarterback, and now I better – walk that back. I mean, I still think they have too much talent, but the way that they play is like a bad football team. And I was going through the tape at the same time as you, and I don't know which example you want to start on, but I think beginning right from the very beginning, um, that what I'd like to do here is go through some of these things and just talk about why this hasn't worked. As a team. So, kind of the the Falcons game is a reflection of the bigger picture. And I'll tell you where it starts for me. The first play of the game, Deion Jones does not bite at all, not one little percent on a play action deep crossing route. And he knows exactly where it's going. And this has been a thing that has happened to them every week where linebackers are no longer crashing up. And maybe he does a little if it's Delvin Cook, but with Alexander Madison, definitely not. He just cruises right back to the spot and holds his hands out and waits for the interception. I mean, I think this is a little bit of a Gary Kubiak still running Gary Kubiak plays thing, because it's clear to me that linebackers know exactly what's coming with some of these play actions.
1: Yeah. And I don't think, I don't necessarily think that the play action fake between Madison and Kirk Cousins was that good. Um, coaches harp on it a lot. And I mean, I remember the big thing when I was in Buffalo with Josh Allen was like, Dave, Brian Dable would be like, get your head down on the fake, like finish the fake. Like and it, it's just, it doesn't look very realistic from that point because, and the other piece is I feel like the linemen aren't firing off and selling the run. Like I was rewatching that, that first cause I'm like, okay, why weren't those linebackers biting? Like, and you, you look at the tape, and you're just like, well, it's because there's no movement up front. Like, the, the linemen are all going lateral. Their hats are high. They're not firing off the ball. And so it just looks like pass the whole way. I mean, if you want to have a successful play action, you need to fire off the ball for at least two or three steps as an offensive lineman to sell the run and then get yourself back to balance. And that's how you do it. And you watch, I mean, you watch Atlanta do it, and they, they are running off the football Every play action. Tennessee runs off the football. All the great play action teams run off the football. It looks exactly the same for the first three steps, whether it's a run or a pass, and the linebackers have no chance. For Minnesota's offensive line, as I watch it, high hats, lateral movement, no firing off the ball, and so there's no bite. And when you have no bite, it's like I said, I mean, you look at those safeties. Those safeties are 20 yards. and The linebackers are at 15. There's nowhere to go for the football unless you want to check it down to Alexander Madison standing right there at eight yards so you could get a plug-and-play. But then we do that all game, everyone freaks out because that's all Kirk does. But, I mean, that first play of the game, you just knew it from the beginning. Like, we're in trouble. Like, you, you just you just knew it from the beginning. Like, we're in trouble. This is going to be bad. And it was, I mean, self-fulfilling prophecy, Right.
0: I don't know if you ever dealt with this for any of the quarterbacks you played with, because you played with some guys who are pretty good leaders, um, whether it was here in Minnesota or when you were in San Diego or uh, in Buffalo. I I think a lot of the people really like Josh Allen as a personality. Um, But there is a body language on tape that you can see with players. And I'll give you an example that maybe we can go over a little later with just – the second interception when Kirk throws it, I was watching a couple players and they should be running over there because he was not down. So he could get up and run with the ball. And yet the body language was kind of like, oh, another one of those. And you see, you see players who are in the area just sort of looking over there like, Somebody will get him. And, and, and I think that there's a wind out of the sails type of effect from the very start because these guys have seen the bad version of Kirk Cousins so many times. And then you can almost always tell on the first or second drive, like, oh. Like I, I remember Kansas City last year. He underthrows Adam Phelan and you go, oh, it's that. It's that guy. And when it shows up, they know you're probably going to lose that game. And there was just a feeling right from the very beginning, like, uh-oh, this is going to go the way we think it's going to go. Right, and I think another
1: guy that I, like, is popping out on tape for me, Who a guy who usually is very calm, cool, emotionless, like, is Harrison Smith. I mean, you're seeing Harry getting physically upset, like, mad at these corners, mad at these, like, you can just see him getting, like, visibly upset and emotion, and I mean, it's good to see that from your leader, but that's just not something you're used to seeing from Harry, right? I mean, Harry is the cool, calm guy who wears his beanie on the side, like, that's Harry, and I mean I'm seeing Harry chewing corners. I'm seeing him like motioning around, pointing, and like I think that you see guys that are really, really fed up with it. And and I don't know I don't know if it's just gonna like get to a boiling point where there's gonna be a big freak out or what's gonna happen. But yeah, I completely agree that the body language on tape from top to bottom on this team isn't great. And I think that that I mean it's emotionally draining to lose this many games. I know it is.
0: If I'm Harrison Smith, I'm going to them right now and saying thanks for the memories, but there has to be somewhere I can go. I mean, his contract situation, he's in need of an extension. He's one of the best players, I think, in the entire NFL still. I don't see a a ton of drop-off from Harrison Smith. I see drop-off from everyone around him. And if you are a contending team, you should be giving up. I mean, I I don't know about a first round, but a second round At least a second. Yeah. At least and get that second rounder back that you had to give away for your pass rusher who doesn't want to play against the run ever. Um, So let let me talk about the touchdown right after that. So the Mm. Vikings get them to third and long, and this is where Zimmer just makes his bones as a coach. Like he's tremendous schematically on third downs. We've seen it for so long. Of course, there's the no noise in U.S. Bank Stadium effect that's going on here. So easy communication for Matt Ryan. But that is just not what caused this touchdown. Julio Jones ran up to Cameron Danzler and said, get out of my way. He pushed him five to seven feet away and then just walked into the end zone wide open. And I got some tweets of people like that's offensive pass interference. Like at the top of routes, they allow for physicality. It's just, it's not Julio's fault. He just demolished you like a WWE guy. Like, That is why there was some concern about Cameron Dantzler weighing 120 pounds at the combine is because when you face a monster, he's just going to move you and then catch a ball for a touchdown. And that I think that right there really concerning about Cameron Dantzler just going forward. Like if you don't put on a lot of strength, I'm not sure how you're going to handle that.
1: I mean, another piece of it, too, is if you're looking at the coverage, it's a bracket coverage on Julio Jones. He's got Harrison Smith on inside leverage. Harrison's standing inside leverage. And so I don't understand why all of a sudden Cam Dantzler feels the need to jump in front of him and try and, like, cut him off. It's like, dude, bracket it. Play your outside leverage. Harry plays your inside leverage. And this is a non-issue. Like, even if he runs into you, you're going to be outside leverage still. and Harry's going to be right there in your hip pocket. But he almost, like, gets in the way of Harry to the point where Harry has no choice but to try to chase it down. And like you said, he ejects, I think is the word I want to use. He <laughs> ejects Cam Dantzler just away from him and then just does what Julio Jones does. I mean, that's literally, that's a grown man. Like, that's a grown, physical, top, best-in-the-business type wide receiver. And we're going to see more of those guys throughout this year. And that's just something, I mean, the other piece, too, is Matt Ryan had all day to throw it, right? They lined up in the overload look that – I mean, they do the overload look just like every other team where you put three defensive linemen on one side, leave a big guard bubble, and you put one-on-one with the tackle on the other side. You run games. You run stunts out of it. They ran a game out of this one, and it doesn't get home. They pick it up. Your best pass rusher doesn't beat Jake Matthews, and Matt Ryan has enough time to allow Julio to run the 25 yards, get to there, make the cut, and still make the throw. So, I mean, it's a combining issue of all the things. But, I mean, the big thing is it's just – know where your help is as a player. I mean, I didn't play DB. I'm not going to pretend like I know how to play DB, but I can watch the tape and know well enough. Like if you're double teaming a guy and you have a guy with inside leverage and a guy with outside leverage, just keep your leverage. Like just keep your leverage, allow your help to help, and make it a non-issue. Make him pull the ball to Calvin Ridley or someone else that's going to get open, right? Like, but don't allow the star, right? That's the game record. Mm-hmm. Don't allow the game record to wreck the game, which he 100% did.
0: Uh, he did, and d k Metcalf did the the week before, and every team who has a tall, big or strong, wide receiver for the rest of cam danceler's life is going to try and make him pay for it because that's what when you put it on tape in the n f l then everyone else is going to do it to you and this is This is the point about the corners, and when we talk about could this have been foreseeable that some of these things would happen, like yeah, when you just throw out a third round corner and say, "Go start, man like That is what you risk is, hey, he looked good in camp, but that's camp. Is Adam Thielen going 1,000% in camp? Do you have Julio Jones in camp? Probably not. Alexander Hollins is not Julio Jones or DK Metcalf. Those are freaks. And, uh, you know, someone like Prince of for example, who's a free agent or Drake Kirkpatrick, like those guys aren't amazing, but they've played in the NFL against these players before and maybe would give you a shot. At least they know, like you said, where your leverage is. They know their coverages. They know how to get tight on a guy. And Zimmer went kind of off on the zoom call about just so many coverages where you're, you're way away from the guy. And in college, Okay. You just make up the ground. The throws probably aren't perfect, but this is Matt Ryan. Like he's a borderline hall of fame quarterback. He's not going to screw it up. And uh, you know, I think we, we've seen that so much in terms of these foreseeable or preventable issues. And there's another one I want to talk to you about. And that's three technique that uh, Courtney Cronin and I talked and especially her, this was her hill to die on improve (laughs) at three tech, or you're never going to pressure the quarterback Because you weren't with Michael Pierce anyway. And then when he opts out, you definitely aren't with Shamar. And to leave Jaleel Johnson in there, who is just a well below average NFL player, not a starter. I'm not even sure he has a career after this. And you're playing him a lot. And then you're trying to force the square peg into a round hole with James Lynch, who you draft as a defensive end and immediately move him, which we've talked about. It's like... Why has this position post Tom Johnson been such a problem for you?
1: I mean, it's really, if you want to know, it's post Sharif Floyd. I mean, Sharif Floyd was the, the guy that coming out of Florida. Right? I mean, that man was a stud, and he could pass rush, he could play against the run. And then he had that horrible issue that went with his knee, and I think they've been trying to fill that hole ever since. And you look around the league at the teams that are elite on defense, like not good, elite, they have a dominant three-tech. I mean, they have a guy that can play against the run and rush the passer because it's, you can create so many mismatches with the guards, and we don't have that. Even with Tom Johnson, he was a situational player, and so you knew you could put him in on third and long, second and long. He was going to be able to use his quickness to get after the quarterback, but the problem was he was a bit of a liability in the run game. Right. And, and so you kind of had to have that rotating, but it worked well between him and Shamar kind of doing two people to do one guy's job yeah. really well. But the problem is now you got three people that do nobody's job really well, and it's a huge (laughs) issue, right? I mean, you've got, okay, What do you put James Lynch, do we put Shamar back at three technique? Do we have Jaleel Johnson? I mean, it's just no one is stepping up to the plate and taking this opportunity. I mean, this is a prime opportunity to not just make a name for yourself for this team, but for the NFL, right? I mean, there's 31 other teams that are going to watch this tape and go, hey, do we want this guy on our team as a starter? And it just doesn't seem like any of these guys have rose to the occasion. It doesn't seem like any of them – I don't know if it's lack of ability. I don't know if it's lack of want to. I mean, I think they play hard. I just think that, honestly, they're a little outmatched at times when it comes to it. I mean, you got times that Jill Johnson's getting driven five yards down the field on a double team, and the linebacker is trying to move his way around them, and the running back gets four yards, four contact. James Lynch plays two plays this game, two plays. And on the second play, he gets buried into the turf on a backside scoop block. And those are just things that you just can't happen, especially as a young player. You should come in there with your hair on fire and just wreaking havoc if you're only going to get two or three plays a game. And then again, Shamar, when he's at three technique, he does a really good job. I mean, there was a third and two, or maybe even a fourth and one, where he gets double teamed, throws, he was playing notes, he throws cam, or, uh, back, takes the knee, stands up, bam, smashes Gurley right in the face. I mean, those are what Shamar's always done really well. Mm. And I think he's playing pretty much how you would expect Shamar to play. Solid player. Doing his job, not super flashy, but shows up when he needs to. But the problem is nobody else is really doing that on that front. Forward the defense line.
0: Right. I I think you could have managed with Shamar at nose tackle. Uh, He's not going to get a ton of penetration or anything like that, but he could just like do the job. And that's the point about this is when they went into the season, they had guys in position that literally couldn't do the job. Mm -hmm. And if you have even average players, and, and that's where the whole distribution of where you spend your money is. Like if you spend between Anthony Harris, who is very good, and Yannick Ngakwe, $26 million. Like $26 million buys you a lot of decent NFL players at these positions, at guard where you are abysmal (laughs) still, which I think is next on our list. And, uh, you know, at, at three technique, defensive tackle, like there are guys who are at least NFL players who could manage the job and then let the stars do the rest. But you spent so much money on a handful of players. You basically had to just hope that these other guys magically developed and someone like Johnson, the Johnson, it's like, I mean, we're in year four now. You, you, you didn't know. Uh, that's you know anyway that that's one of the ones that I think was very foreseeable. So let's talk about Ezra Cleveland. Everybody was tweeting you. They want your take. They want you to play right guard. Um, that that <laughs> has become a great bit, and people haven't seen you because you. Done- Sorry, you don't look ready to play right guard these days. Uh, yeah,
1: I need to gain a little bit of weight here. I'm, I'm about 285 right now, loving it. I was sitting in a duck line this morning. So don't expect any right guard comebacks, especially <laughs> for a 1-5 uh, a in five team that Egan is a miserable place to be right now. I'll tell you that right now. The compound out there in Egan, you don't want to be there. You don't want to go in there because it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun at all.
0: Now, our buddy Alex Boone has promised an appearance at some point soon. Oh, um, gosh. So that should be interesting when we can get him on. But let's talk about Ezra Cleveland. Uh, the PFF grades were uh, atrocious. He graded in the 40s, which means you had a really poor game. Uh, he gave up five pressures, which was the most in the NFL for any guard this week, and in the run game did not grade much higher than that. So, uh, But from the visual I would put this less Ezra Cleveland his fault than Drew Samia. Like this was not a Samia level performance, even if it graded in the Samia range. So give me your your take on uh, watching Ezra Cleveland at right guard. Yeah, so I watched him. I watched
1: every play of the game. I wanted to make sure, and and he wasn't my Winnebago. Um, he didn't <laughs> pop off. He didn't pop off the film, that we were, it was just unbearable to watch. But I thought he played exactly how I expected him to play on a first start. He looked a little timid at times. He had a little fire in him at times. There's tough times he cleaned up some ribs, a full slab of ribs on a defensive end, rushing over Brian O'Neill and knocked him down. Just great to see the aggression out of a young player like that. I like his balance at guard. Uh, he does. He he plays like a tackle. He's he's got great balance in the in the pass game. He stays underneath himself really well. He can move his feet, but he lacks that kind of stoutness and that. And that, like, punch you in the face that you need a guard a little bit to kind of keep that depth of the pocket, right? I mean, so the center of the guards are for the depth of the pocket, and the tackles are for the width of the pocket. And you've got to make sure, especially with a guy like Kirk Cousins, who we know struggled with pressure up in his face, that you have two really stout guards. And right now we have no stout guards. And I think that he could be. I mean, after watching him, I think I think he could be a very good guard in the NFL. I think that if he can stay there and truly develop as a guard, he has a really good shot at it because he's got long arms, but he's also – he's very good footwork. I thought his footwork was really well. And as he continues to play, he's going to get more confidence, which allows him to fire off the ball quicker, know where he's going a little bit more. I mean, you could just tell things were moving at a little bit faster speed than he was used to. And that's because there's no preseason. I mean, it's really his first live game action in the NFL. Like, practice is great at all, but it's exactly like you said with Cam Bansler. Like, is everyone going 120% full speed for 90 snaps? Like, no, that's not how it works in camp. Like you need those game reps to understand what the speed of the game is in the NFL. And so you could tell there was definitely times where, for example, he gave up a sack there on a play action. I believe it was and And he was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to take my steps and get my hands on you. And this dude was like full rush (laughs) and just drove him like straight back. And you could tell like, that's just the things where it's like, Oh wow. Like, yeah, there's consequences in real games, right? Like, in, in practice, it's like, oh, I get bull rushed. Like, oh, we can fix it and tape. He's not going to hit the quarterback, like yada, yada, yada. But, like, there's real-life consequences. I mean, you're getting your quarterback hit. You're getting interceptions thrown. So those are all things that, as a young player, you just need to – it takes time, and that's where really not having preseason really hurt a guy like him. But overall, I, I thought it was a decent performance. I mean, I wasn't going to say he's going to go out there. He's not the Zach, Zach Martin, in my words. But I think that he has showed a lot of potential. And now the question is, can he do what Drew Samia did not do? And can he improve week to week to week? Can he fix some of those things that he really struggled with? Can he improve on the things he did really well? And can he continue to grow and get better each week versus staying the same or even, even kind of sliding back a little bit in his development as a player?
0: I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen it yet, you've got to check it out. A couple of my favorite designs are the Duck Duck Gray Duck and the Randy Moss Goat, which you've got to see. Uh, All their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. By the way, use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's soda stick, S O T A S T I C K dot com. Original Minnesota Sports Inspired Goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. So, would you like to see him play the rest of the season at right guard? Or would you rather see them trade uh, Riley Reef, which I think they should? Um, there's, I mean, after watching Dallas last night, division leader Dallas, they could use a left tackle too. So there's, I mean, there's Taylor Lewan. I, mean, I mean, Taylor Lewan's out. LeJuan's hurt, Titans right. Titans
1: need a left tackle bad right
0: now. So, if you have desperate enough teams in need of left tackles, then you could get another second or third round pick for Riley Reef. And I think he's another guy that is sort of like Harrison Smith, earned the right to go somewhere else uh, as a highly respected NFL player and get a chance to win with somebody. So, that would be like the right thing to do in my mind. Um, but. but- Sorry, what? what I was. Just, I mean, I know where
1: you're going. Like, would you rather see him stay there, bump out to left tackle? The question is, man, is he any good at left tackle? Right.
0: Left tackle? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, that's and where I was you, going with it.
1: I mean, do you do you have you seen him play left tackle at all? I mean, through training camp or any no, of that?
0: not a single time. I mean, that so, Kubiak says that he's practiced there, but that's all we've heard, and I haven't seen that because, of course, practice is closed to the media right. after training camp. But during camp, he was only a guard.
1: So my answer is no. Like, <laughs> it, it is too much pressure unless unless they think that they can move O'Neal to left, which I think next year is going to happen, by the way. You heard it here first. I think this time next year, Brian O'Neill will be the starting left tackle. They will extend him and pay him left tackle money, kind of. I think that's a majority of the reason why they're keeping him at right tackle so they can pay him right tackle money and then be like, ha surprise, you're going to play the left tackle. <laughs> and then he's going to be super pissed off and like nothing he can do about it. But I think that that's kind of, as I'm envisioning this, is they want him to play left tackle. They want Ezra Cleveland to play left guard. You have two young players on the left side of your line now, Garrett Bradbury, and then you kind of rebuild the right side with whatever you got to do with it, right? But I I want him to stay in one spot the rest of this year, whether that be right guard, left guard, like stick him in there. If you're going to let him play, let him play. Take your lumps, take your issues. Like it's going to happen with a young player. But that pays dividends. I mean, let's face it, this year's pretty much a wash, anyways. Like we're not, we're not winning the Super Bowl in Minnesota. Sorry if you still believe that listening to this podcast, not gonna happen. So now it's time to take your lumps, understand what you have, and start basically preparing a lot of these guys to step into an even larger role for 2021.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And that's the thing about that decision is is his larger role going to be left tackle? And if they haven't seen him there, um, at, from the very beginning when they draft him, that they think he's a guard right away, then he must be a guard in their mind. And of course that goes back to the draft value of taking a guard in the second round that couldn't help you right away in a year that you thought you were going to be good and not signing a veteran and all those things that we've just gone round and round on. But if the future plan is to have Brian O'Neill at left tackle, Ezra Cleveland at left guard, and then Bradbury and then go from there, I don't know, maybe that's Rashad Hill ends up at at right tackle. I know they really like his progress. Um, That's not exciting to anyone, but I think that that's maybe the case that they like a lot that they've seen there. And then you have to draft somebody else because I think that this dream of drafting a quarterback that Vikings have uh, Vikings fans have might not be super realistic. So you're probably looking at who are the offensive linemen who are coming out early in the draft to, you know, put them in front of Kirk Cousins. I think that's going to be part of the plan. So if you're a top five pick, can you take a guard at top five? No, no, you're you're probably, if you can get your hands on the guy from Oregon, you're taking him. Um,
1: He ain't going to be there. He'll be gone. Number two. In my opinion, I think he's gone at number two. If, if number two doesn't need a quarterback, if number two doesn't need Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, that Penelli Penso, however you say his name, the left tackle. I'm not
0: sure how to say his first name yet.
1: I'm not either. He is incredible. He is incredible. I mean, I have watched a lot of college tape on guys this year. Leaps and bounds, the best offensive linemen in college football.
0: And, I mean, they are one and five. So, if you're talking about being at the very top with, you know, at least two or three quarterbacks who are coming out – who could be the top draft picks? I mean, if you think about Washington, absolutely is going to be there. They need a quarterback. Jacksonville needs a quarterback. Um, you're going to see the Jets. I mean, they should be looking at a quarterback. If Sam, you know, Sam Darnold hasn't done anything so far, how could you pass up Trevor Lawrence? Mm-hmm. So, if you're talking about maybe the first two or three draft picks going there, the Vikings won't be far behind. If yeah. you in three or four games. So I, I think that that, beca- that might change the, the algorithm for how they decide what the line is going to look like in the future. But at very least what they could take away is that Ezra Cleveland did not look like the biggest train wreck of all time in his first game. And now we see how he progresses. Uh, I wanted you to talk about one specific play because I think it's sort of, it, it goes to the Kirk Cousins, why didn't they do more to protect the guy they spent so much money on? When he throws his third interception, that's really the backbreaker for the game. If you make it 17 7, like, okay, well, that's Atlanta. They could blow any lead, man. Yeah. Um, they blew a 28 3 lead in the Super Bowl. Like, they could blow any lead. So um, the interception there is not really Kirk's fault. His arm gets hit. But the fact that they. You know, show the mug look, rush four with a stunt is about the simplest thing. I mean, it's just not super complicated. And you end up with three interior offensive linemen huddling together like it's cold outside and there's a fire there. And then somehow Garrett Bradbury falls down. And it's just like, what happened there? And how is this still going on? So,
1: So I'll try and get as technical as I can without actually like having a picture in front of you. But so the way that it works is it's a my face protection as I'm watching. Again, I'm not in the huddle, but as I watch it, as I look at it, it's a trips right look. So there's three receivers to your right. You got your one receiver to the left, offset back to the left. It looks like Kirk says, okay, we're going to go to the right. We're sliding to the right. So in all reality, it's a four-man rush. And that's the part that you're just like, man, come on. Like they didn't bring the blitz. And as much as I want to put this all on the front, i got to say, my guy, Mir Abdullah, didn't do these guys any help. So both guys bail out, right? Both linebackers that were mugged in the A-gaps, they both bail out. And so they start running an inside game. They run a TT, tackle, tackle, stunt. And the guy over the left side, which is away from where Garrett Bradbury is is sliding, which is very much game plan. If you're going to game plan a stunt, you always look at the protection and go, hey, this is a mic-based protection. They're going to slide to the mic, so hey – offside defensive tackle, you're going to pick the set. And first of all, because it was a double mug look, the left guard, Dakota Dozier, doesn't get on the three technique right away. He gets a little bit of depth because he's afraid of getting picked with a linebacker three technique stunt. So he does the exact right thing. He gets off the ball. I call it a double stop sign. He's got both hands out, kind of feeling for it. As soon as he sees the guy drop, then he gets on his three technique. Problem is, Amir Abdullah's come coming to fill up in that A-gap because he has that linebacker away from the slide, as Amir comes to fill that up, they run into each other at the exact same time. So, uh, so Amir ends up hitting the defensive tackle, which then makes him fall into Cleveland or into Garrett Bradbury, which then doesn't allow Dakota Dozier to get back off off and get depth on the stun. And so you just see everyone kind of like falling away from their leverage back away, and you just have a three technique running completely scot-free at Kirk Cousins. And so the picture online is just horrible, right? Like I've seen it, everyone's seen it. But in all reality, this is something that it looks like it's going to be picked up all right. You see Garrett Bradbury, he recognizes it. He's getting his head back around to see the pick guy. The problem is it just turns into a cluster in the middle there with Amir getting in there. And it's in all reality, it's a great game plan by them. And, again, I think this is the last time we'll see this. I think that the interior twist game really gave us problems this past game. Not surprising, right? Mm -hmm. Rookie starting right tackle or right guard. We're going to say, okay, how does he handle the speed, the twist? So I think we'll see more of this because of how successful it actually was. But, man, that picture is
0: ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the center sitting flat on his rear with his sort of hand up in the air. I mean, it's one of those, like uh, Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune tweeted out, and he pointed out that it's like one of those, you know, paintings from the, I don't know, like – on the system or something. Yeah. The yeah. Right. Where you could just sort of point out a million different things. Like what happened here? What's going on there? And sort of like the, um, the photo of the year for the interior offensive line and way too often on this podcast, you've said they ran into each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not supposed to be happening where, you oh. know, Dakota Dozier is not blocking someone and uh, Alexander Madison runs into the back of him. And just like, there was a lot of, this team is not, very good I mean, and that's what happens
1: the pinnacle of it all is first and goal from the two and you come away with no points yeah that I, that cannot happen I mean you can't get one two yards just run it literally twice boom boom touchdown I mean it should take once and it wasn't it wasn't again I went back and watched like okay did they scheme it up well Nope. there was a hat for a hat on every play it just strictly was us getting beat up front physically and then the last play on the fourth and one, they run this kind of weird quasi fullback dive thing with Kyle Rudolph coming back across. And love Kyle he usually makes all these blocks, but it literally looks like he closes his eyes and kind of falls on his face, and the, the DN just completely smashes through there. And that's just kind of like you're like, well, yep, 2020, like that's how this is gonna go. But I mean, that for me, that's when I knew the game was really like over, over. Is so you got first and goal from the two and you come away with no points, that's bad.
0: Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. For me personally, can't travel to games this year. It's been weird, so I've been watching all the Vikings games from home on the road just like you have. Pepsi is the refresher that you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it, or in my case, those who cover it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And this is a thing where you can see why Zimmer is at a loss. Because you make a decision that I think is the right one. You're down 10 points. Again, you're not a winning football team. You really need this one. You really need points. Your defense is bad. So you just... can we run up the middle for a yard? And the answer is no, no, you cannot. And for the second straight week, no, you cannot. And if you can't do that, the simplest thing that can be done in football, then what can you do? And uh, that has been the issue pretty much from week to week here. And that's why, you know, I saw after the Seattle game, people sort of patting them on the back for losing by one point. It's like, that was as good as you were ever going to play, and you still lost. That's not a moral victory. That's not good for you. That's not a good Mm -hmm. sign for the future. So give me your um, sort of opinion on what happens here. Because I think if they are really committing to – being smart about this and where they're at and being realistic and living in reality here. They make those trades that we talked about and they get every young player on the field that they can, and they struggle, and it's going to be tough. And we watch Justin Jefferson do crazy things each week, which you got to be getting into the orange there. I you? am. All he's right, blurt- I knew he's it. He's flirting. He's flirting with the orange. I knew it. You said no. He won't get out of the blue in the first year. Hey, I'm an NFL bench. you
1: have you have 200 yards back to back to back games. It's <laughs> hard for me to it's hard for me to argue, especially with the crap that Kirk's dealing with, throwing up prayers. Yeah, I mean, he's he's flirting with them. he's flirting with he's
0: good he's good so what do you think happens here
1: I want to say I want to say you're right but I think the problem is is coaches are going to be scared to do that unless they get like assurances from top that's like hey we're not going to fire you like we're in this for the long haul and my agent told me from the day one like hey guess what everyone in the NFL is a liar and so I think there's even a point where it's like if Zim talks to Spielman and Spielman talks to the Owners and the Wilfs, and they're like, you know what? Yeah, here's our plan. Here's what happens. Da, da, da. And we win two more games. And we go three and 13. I mean, are they certain they're not going to fire Zim? Are they certain they're not going to fire Spielman? Because as much as the common fan and the common guy like ourselves look and say, here's what's the best for the future of the Vikings, doesn't always mirror what's best for the future of Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, and these families of these coaches, right? I mean, so there's definitely conflicting interests unless you for sure have everyone on the same page. If I'm the Wilfs, I'm sitting there going, you know what? I think Zimmer's an excellent coach. I think he's the good guy for the right job. I think we can have this conversation, to have the hard conversation of like, what do we need to do? And I'm sure Zimmer's that we need to do this, 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 and like trust him and allow that to happen. And and like we said, take the bumps, right? Be in it for the long haul. Don't look so short-sighted. Look four years down the road type of thing. And if that's the case, yeah, trade some guys, make some cap space, pick up a good guy in the first round of the draft next year, have a good draft and start kind of, like you said, let's not be in this half rebuild, half kind of like, we're still really good type thing. Like start from scratch, man. Like start from scratch. You have enough talent around the people that you'll be able to build quickly, but you still have to just understand you have to build. Like it can't just be this quasi status quo. Everything's fine. Like, know you're bad, acknowledge that you're bad, and then move from there.
0: And and people want everyone fired, and I get that. When you go to one in five, that is certainly a thing that comes up. Uh, but one of the other things that I would just say is before the season, if you asked me, I would have said, don't make any rash decisions during the COVID year because bleep is crazy right now. I mean, right. it's, you, you don't have any home field advantage, You had players opt out. Like, you've just, there's a lot of things that have gone on here that if you just say, well, you failed, so you're fired because you didn't have a good year during the COVID year, um, you know, the circumstances are weird. I mean, I already wonder about with all these reschedulings and stuff, like, how legit is this even as a season? Um, I'm sure whoever wins the Super Bowl won't have any questions mm. about that. And it's fine. But, you know, like from a reporter perspective, you wonder like, man, we're moving games to Tuesdays and all sorts of stuff. No fans in the stands. You know, that has a major impact in football. And so if you're the Wilfs, they are very patient. And I think they have been. um, And I think you don't want to panic. But at the same time, like you said, assurances mean nothing. Contract extensions mean nothing. We said it the day that Zimmer was signed to a three-year extension. Like, this doesn't really mean anything. I mean, they could fire no. him tomorrow. They've got the money, I promise you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is, like, it's so hard to for us to say, it's so easy for us to say rebuild, right? But as a coach, like, you know that any day could be your last day. I mean, you look at the coaches that have already gotten fired this year. Like, and it doesn't take much, right? I mean, you teeter, yeah. on, you teeter on it, but my opinion is, who do you want to go get? Like, unless you have the next guy, like, yes, there's definitely a lot of people out there. But if you think that you're going to be able to rebuild with a new coach faster than you could rebuild with Zimmer, then you should have fired him already. And, and, that, and that's just my, that's my one honest opinion. Like, if you think there's a better coach out running, because the, the coaches tell the players all the time, we're always looking to improve. We're always looking to upgrade. We're always looking to get better in each spot. Well, I'm sure the owners say think the same thing. If they truly believe that there's a better coach out there to coach the Minnesota Vikings than Mike Zimmer, and there's a better GM than Rick Spielman, they'd go get that. They wouldn't extend that. So I'm a firm believer. I think Zim's a fantastic coach. Give him the time, give him what he needs, and allow him to build this team the way he's done and the way he did. I mean, he had a great team. We had really good teams when I was there. Even in the 2018 years, it wasn't terrible. Like, allow him to do that again.
0: And if um, they didn't think he was the man for the rebuild, and didn't see a rebuild coming, like that's the problem. Is, is yes. If you didn't see this coming, then what? I, you ever see the movie Casino? Absolutely. Okay, so you know when um, when uh, the guy, like, uh, they hit a couple of times, somebody hits a couple of times, and Robert De Niro is talking about how the one guy's nephew is is an idiot, and he's basically like, look, he's either in on it or too stupid to see it coming, and either way, I can't have him working for me. And It, it started <laughs> like this. Like, if you didn't see it coming, then I don't know what you guys were, were thinking as an organization, that why you thought this would just, you know, snap your fingers and because we're us, we'll be good good um that's nobody is immune to this in the NFL if you have a bunch of really good players leave who are veterans and try to replace them with you know fourth round picks who you hoped for development so um I think that maybe the only reason that they would fire them is essentially because they weren't realistic in the first place if you thought realistically about a rebuild you would have traded Zimmer to Dallas so
1: right and I mean we don't know the conversations ever had behind closed doors I mean we all know Zimmer doesn't talk to the media about this kind of stuff. But, I mean, how realistic was Zimmer telling these guys, like, look, you're you're handing me chicken bleep and expecting me to make chicken salad out of it, right? Right. Like, right. like and, and, I mean, if he was up front, honest, like, obviously he's never going to sell his team to the media like that because that's not what a good head coach does. But a good head coach tells his bosses, like, this is going to be hard and this is not going to be good. Like, I need you to understand this. And if they do, they do. And if they didn't have that conversation like you did, like, what led you to believe that wasn't going
0: to happen? Right. I think uh from just putting together the pieces, Zimmer thought he could just coach it up. Like, I'll just coach harder. And uh there is a limit to that in the pros. So Jeremiah Searles, Tuesday morning left guard, another very fun conversation. Um, we will, you know, be watching the tape and figure it all out as we go forward, but the playoff dream is probably dead. So all right. Yeah, I mean- by Bi-
1: week two is going to be a long bye week. Those practices are going to suck, you,
0: and you can't even go to Bermuda or whatever. Just like <laughs> you just have to stay home and just watch Netflix. Just wear it. You just wear it. <laughs> The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage. Of all the great sign-up bonuses, don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert.